Fort, Enola Holmes and Anomia. This is Staying In. I don't know if I've brought it up before on this show. I feel like I maybe have at some point. But every, everyone here knows about the problem that seemingly most people I meet have remembering my name. I mean, I, I don't I don't have a problem remembering your name. For the last... So, so I said about three or four years, I've been living under the spectre of having either a very unmemorable name or just being a very unmemorable person. Um, several times I've been called... Um, I typically get things like Simon, which I could understand. Yeah, you look like a Simon. M- my favourite one is Anton. Anton's my favourite. <laughs> to be fair, you do look... I could see you as an Anton. Because automatically, what's sad for you, Sam, is Anton clearly has lived more of a life than you have. <laughs> there's, there's a story there. And um, and today, and today is probably peak existential crisis. DPD driver turns up. Oh, I've got a present for your wife. Present? <laughs> Parcel. It's like the start of one of those films. Yeah, yeah John, so John came to deliver... The, the parcel and uh, he said oh this is for your wife uh, what's your name and I said Sam and he said alright fair enough email comes through saying your parcel has been dropped off and it was left with Sam as he was leaving he went alright see you later Simon I was like <laughs> <laughs> wow that's breathtaking he, he heard my name wrote it down correctly and then within the following five seconds he still called me another name <laughs> but my br- my brother did something brilliant once uh, my brother gets quite nervous when he has like big events where he has to talk about himself so this was a job interview and uh my dad took him to this interview and he was he was he was like he'd never had like a proper interview before and he was quite worried and anxious about it and just before he's about to walk in he just turns to my dad and says if they ask me my name, what do I say? <laughs> no, I mean, one of my favourite things about my brother, which I've said before, is that, like, he just sometimes gets sayings a bit wrong. You know how some people mishear song lyrics? Yeah, like, um, cut off your nose to spider face. <laughs> that kind of yeah, that, and so usually, like, he, he proudly exclaims to me that the problem, we could solve the problem, like killing a bird with two stones <laughs> <laughs> which I took to mean just being incredibly thorough <laughs> I um, did I tell you the story about when I when I got my degree through did I tell you about this no, I mean, I mean, which one? Tasting yeah. wine, tasting <laughs> beer. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just tasting. Being just a landlord. Congratulations, you've you're a landlord now. So um, when I got my, um, so uh, obviously we all, we all studied together and we did theatre together. Um, and <laughs> you don't yeah. have to say it like that. It, yeah, it wasn't announced quite like that. Yeah, with such own kind of disdain for your own choices in life. At the graduation ceremony, this is actually actually this is where this this really happened. I uh, I had um, a, a very rare visit from my parents to come to the university and, and see the graduation. The the process was basically they would say your name, say that you got the qualification, and then you would walk up onto the stage and you would get the thing. That's basically the, the basic gist of it. And it would it was done alphabetically. So obviously I knew roughly when my name was coming up. And when they announced my name. There was a name in there that I didn't recognise. <laughs> I think I do know this. Like an Easter egg. And, and, and I was like, what? And obviously, like, and for a moment I thought, was there another person who has a, like, really close to my name, but they just have a different fifth middle name, like, like an, a, a, another middle name, so five names in total. I was like... Surely not. So I just sheepishly walked up onto the stage like, I guess I'll go and have this one. <laughs> and obviously nobody else got called out. And um, and uh, and obviously I, I got it and sat back down. I was like, okay, yeah, that was a bit of a strange one. And then I caught up with my parents afterwards. And I said, oh, that was really weird, wasn't it? 
Oh, what, what do you mean? Oh, they they um they, they they added some name to my thing, and my dad said, "No, that's your name. Said, it's not. It's that's, that's not that's not my name." He was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and Charles is is one of your middle names. That's your middle name." <laughs> and he wow. was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Why was your dad getting in on the kind of the... Why did he kind of sneak into the paperwork and be like, oh, I'm going to change this? I have no idea. I have well, no idea. I'm fairly confident I, I filled them in. I, I think it's probably just a dad thing, considering that once my dad signed a birthday card to me saying, happy birthday, son. Love from mum and Mick. Brackets, dad. <laughs> 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 so I think it's a common, a common I love that. dad thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's worth saying, Richard, that Pete's was the only degree certificate that was in landscape. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom it said, please turn over, yeah. Yeah. PTO. <laughs> uh, look. I'm all freshly shaved. I've, uh, I've, I after I've, I've, I've only just started to make myself feel nicer um, after last weekend. What, what happened last weekend? Yeah, what, what happened last weekend, Peter? It was my birthday. Oh. Um, and um, I uh, was fortunate enough to be joined by Chris Darby. I was in the area. You were in the area. <laughs> so you swung by, um, and. Uh, we did all sorts of lovely things. I only attend the big birthdays. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's another five years until you need to see yeah, me next, mate. Exactly. Uh, so, um, so uh, we we did many lovely things. Um, one of the things that I, I'm I'm now just recovering from, I've sweated it all out, uh, is we drank a lot of rum, an obscene amount of rum, <laughs> an obscene, upsetting amount of rum, and there are videos which. I've not provided to people yet. I saw some of the pictorial evidence. Yes, and yes. The way that the evening was was displayed to me was pictures of you and Chris um, with like pipettes and like like brass casks, and it looked very sort of precise and and delicate. And you had these like tasting note like pie charts full of all these different yeah. flavors that you can add to the rum mm. and it all seemed very mm. like sensible and procedural and then yep. <laughs> and then there was a break about 20 minutes and then i just got a photo of chris's crotch soaking in what i presume <laughs> to be rum alcohol water some yep. something along those lines yeah. something and then and then all the pictures stopped <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things escalated fast. So, so anyway, we had about um, we had about um, eight or nine, I would say eight or nine shots of rum, and then they said, "Now you're going to make one. You're going to distill your own rum." And we were like, "All right." So we were putting all the ingredients together that we were going to infuse into this rum, um, and then they let us at uh, the distilling stuff. Yeah, and we were. We were a few in by this point. Oh, yes. Um, and then there was a bit where at one point in the evening, he just said, like, there was this liquid that was dripping out of the... So there's, like, three different kinds of liquid when you do make rum. And the middle one is basically nine, 85 to 90% proof, like, strong alcohol, ABV. Um, and he just... And we just said, like, jokingly, like, oh, can we, can we give that a go? He was like, well, it's 90% alcohol. When else are you going to get to give it a go? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. All right, here we go. Oh, my dear. Like, blah, blah, blah. He was like the best chemistry teacher ever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, can we also have this lesson, like, outside in the park, sir? <laughs> like, um, uh, anyway, so that was great. Um, and then we played a very, 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 very long board game, which was Warden Ring, which we talked about loads and loads and loads before. But... Uh, we finished up. <laughs> we finished up a game called Fort. So this is Forts came out this year from Leader Games. We've spoken about them before because of Roots, and I know a few of us are currently playing their excellent uh, video game adaptation of it with, in conjunction with Direwolf. It's good. Expensive, which is because it's Roots apparently. But yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. but it is good. Yeah. So this comes from uh, designer Grant Rodiak, who had done a sim he'd done a game with this um, mechanic in the past um, called SPQF, 
And this is a reskinning of it with a different theme um, from by uh, Nick Brackman. And it's got Kyle Ferrin's art, who, you know, one of the USPs of Root is its adorable art. And again, mm. that's Kyle Ferrin there. And it's what I would call a bit of a deck builder. So what I mean by that is you start with a hand of cards and through the game, you'll deliberately get rid of cards to kind of curate your own deck that works for you. Um, and sometimes, depending on where you are and what you need, you will shed cards and pick up cards to get you to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, two to four players, it's a 20 to 40 minute card game. So it's a little lighter than Root. Um, each player plays as a kid and you have your two best friends that never leave your side. Think about channel your your own childhood, who they would be. And together you're trying to build the biggest and best forts in your neighbourhoods. It was so smart. It was such a such a nice game. Yeah, it's like, lovely. So thematic. Yeah, and I'll get onto that in a little bit. But like this this idea that in Star Realms every card is a ship, yeah, you know, with different degrees of firepower and can do certain mm. things. Here you've just got a deck of cards, and each one is a child, <laughs> and they look really like scraggly. Some of them have seen a lot of things and been <laughs> and yes. I know. I know one of the one of um, I haven't played the game yet. Chris, but hopefully maybe sometime soon. But you showed me the deck, and there's some great ones. Like there's a whole faction which is just like glue, or yeah. or something like that. And there's this, there's this one kid. It's just like got tons of like glitter and like um, like uh, paper and stuff and papier mâché all stuck to his face. And it's just like we all, we all know a kid like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it was like the kid I went to school with, Joel, who used to eat stationery. Yeah. Wow. Like we all know a kid we all knew a kid like that. Yeah. But what's quite cool is is my fa- I realized my favorite kinds of games are ones in which everyone's having a go, not necessarily at once, but like you're you're always involved. So just, you know, on every card, every kid has a public and a private action. So the mm. private action obviously is it, you know, seems to imply is something that you can do and you can do the public action as well, but you can play the card and everyone else can see what that public action is and say, actually, I want to follow that. I'm going to find a card that matches that suit and just discard that, kind of essentially get rid of it so I can follow what that kid's doing. Like, you know, like the child going saying, oh, that looks really cool. I'm going to do that. And you're not going to ask permission. You're just going to do it because you're a kid. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly looking at what other people are doing. And, you know, once I've played a card, I recruit another kid and I might say, oh, there's those kids in the park. They look pretty cool. Hey, do you want to come and help me build my fort? Or hang on, you're milling around in front of Pete's garden. He's not got you doing any work on the fort. Come and help me and I'll just take the card from Pete's, you know, essentially Pete's discard pile more or less. And I get it. And then I draw five cards and any cards that I've not played from those five cards I had in my hand go in front of my garden. So I'm trying to follow as much as I can because they'll go into my discard pile so they won't be touched. Because if I just play one card and I don't follow at all, that's four cards that are just left in front of me for other people to just grab. And I, I know I'm going to lose them. And the same kid will just go in a nomadic way from garden to garden, um, being you know put to work by other, other children. Um, so as, as the fort advances, it grows more exponential and you have to pay more and more resources, more pizza and toys to do it. Hmm. You, you get things like the made-up rule, which is something secret for you, and a perk, which will help you in the scoring. But as Pete says, the theme's great because it captures that hilarious aspect of childhood when you realise how fickle friendships can be and the kids are just hilarious. Like how you can throw a lifelong friendship aside just for some pizza and toys. Um the names of the kids are just hilarious. We were talking about names earlier. Just some of the nicknames are brilliant. Like some of my favourites are like Skids, um, Icky, Icky and Sticky. Icky and Sticky were great. I think Captain, which I think was Alex's favourite, and another one which was just called the Ant. Brilliant. And, and they've got these wonderful um, pictures on the front. Again, Carl Ferrin's artwork is adorable. It reminded me of those episodes of The Simpsons where it was just, you know, Bart and Lisa and the kids at the school. They were some of my favourite episodes. Or yeah. did you ever watch the cartoon Recess when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or read the Bash Street Kids. Yeah. Where sometimes they're surprisingly mature and quite grown up, but then suddenly yeah. they just have those lapses into immaturity and you remember they're a kid at the end of the day. So you've got one kid there, I think, that's called The General. And it's just a kid Brilliant. pretending to be a soldier, but he's got that grand name, The General. So as we were playing it, we were just laughing at the names and just imagining, you know, the scrapes they've gotten into. And our table became just this neighbourhood. 
it's your, I take it it's your game. Yeah, no, I've been sent this as a review copy by Leda very kindly. All oh, right, cool. Okay, okay. Because one of the things, one of the things that can that didn't concern me, but I wondered how far the kind of the artwork and the fact it was Leder Games kind of enamoured it to people before they actually got the kind of the gameplay. Because I think Root propelled this into something that became. I I remember um, seeing a lot of uh, a lot of hype for this. And in fact, they took it to pre-order and everybody was talking about this for weeks. And then the pre-order day arrived and I noticed, interestingly enough, that the, the kind of the hype for it has, as with all these things, kind of crashed yeah. a bit. But I wonder, I wa- it, it made me wonder if the game didn't have the artwork by Kyle Ferrin and if it wasn't published by Lader if it would have reached the same levels of kind of the public eye as it, as it kind of had. I think you make a really good point, and like the 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 thing with it is, it is really good. Yeah, and I think I think I think the I think the being known for a specific art style or a specific quality of game, the thing that that brings you as a as a studio, is the ability to try slightly different games or go into different genres that you're not necessarily famous for, as long as you can bring something of your big success to that that other product yeah and i think that makes people go oh okay well maybe i'll give it a bit of a, a bit of a go it's interesting that this is the second time that grant rodiak's kind of brought out that's already been out as a completely different game and it just goes to show having maybe the right people the right publisher behind you and the correct oh, yeah. artwork at the time can make you know a reskin of a of an old game kind of really really successful because spqf is only two years old yeah like it was 2018. It but even out. that, even that name, I'm just like, right, we're building Roman forts, are we? Okay, all right. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah. wrong? With, hold on, hold on. What is wrong with some building of Roman forts? <laughs> I'm well up for some historical-based board games. I've reached that. I'm 35 now. I need to get into historicals at some point. <laughs> Pete, you've got plenty of time to get into historical stuff, believe me. <laughs> plenty, plenty of time. I was going to be one of these people that pre- was going to jump in and pre-order it. Mm-hmm. At the time, everybody was going, yay, Fort's amazing. But I'd rather wait. It's good to hear that you guys had a, such a really good time with it, and it does compel me to, to go ahead and definitely kind of try it out. So I'm interested. I was at Taekwondo last night. It's kind of the irony of doing Taekwondo, a contact sport in a non-contact environment where you've got to spend two metres away from each other. You can't even be closer than that. <laughs> I hit you. I hit you. I win. <laughs> I've pinned you. But what? <laughs> exactly. We're standing there with PlayStation controllers. <laughs> well, do you just, Richard, do you just throw, each other, throw at stuff at each other? There you go. Doof, down. Doof, down. Two points. Get out. <laughs> So somebody brought one of the guys last night. He was been making wine, Ooh. so he brought along this wine. Dangerous white wine, yeah. Oh, white and it's wine. It's got it's got like a skull and crossbones on the label, mm. and it says it says Al's finest wine. And I was like, <laughs> Al's finest wine. <laughs> that wasn't the title I was thinking it was going to be with that logo. I must admit, Al is either Al is either a very poor graphic designer. Or a liar. He's a he's a huge gentle jack, and I mean huge. The guy is literally probably six foot six, six foot Oof. seven, and he's like he's literally huge. He is huge, and so you don't argue with him when he offers you Al's finest wine. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> should we give him? Yeah, should we give him Pete's address? This is the finest wine. <laughs> it was like um, Little Britain when you had Dennis Waterman, and he's like, here, do you want a bottle? <laughs> Do you, do you, want, a, do you <laughs> right. want a bottle of wine? There you right, go. Right, right. And I'm taking it, taking it like this, thanks. <laughs> but um, when he does Taekwondo, he went to a competition. He won gold. Sure. Because... Didn't have to fight anyone. No, nobody nobody was going to argue. <laughs> you know, people couldn't get near him. You know, he couldn't get headshots. And that's just socially just, distanced. He like. was... Just holds his arm out. He just picked. He just picked up the mat and went... Everybody's gone in the sky. But anyway, so he gave us this wine. So yeah, Taekwondo is just a really sweaty um, exercise class when you try to social distance. With booze, apparently. With booze as well. And I'm taking along biscuits. 
This sounds, this sounds like a really not, how how are you how are you progress? There's a belt system in Taekwondo, isn't there? How are there you is. progressing? I'm at my green belt now. I'm gonna because um, bec- um and I'm gonna go for my blue tag quite soon. But the the kind of they did have virtual, <laughs> they did have kind of like virtual um, kind of uh, assessments going on, which was amazing. Do you have to like slam down your laptop or something? just like different cameras and stuff like that kind of the side and stuff but they actually had people filming doing their because in taekwondo what you got to do is you got to prove your own your own dedication and your technique but you do that through your pattern so people were recording their pattern to then send to the the heat guy yeah but it turned out that what people were doing people were doing multiple takes (laughs) And just sending the kind of the best ones that decided to stop it. Now, me, I was tempted at some point to actually just do a video bit with, like, effects and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> like Kurosawa, have it black and white. Have explosions yeah. coming off my head. <laughs> just full bullet time. Like like Batman type things. Kablam! That's what oh, I was just thinking, so like smack, thwack. I mean, and then the, my favourite one, the ooya, with the tongue sticking out of the O. On the oh. original Batman. Why don't you just deep fake your face onto an actual Taekwondo? Like Ip Man. Yeah. <laughs> Here's that scene in Ip Man 4 or something where he fights like 12 black belts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just, but just you deep faked onto it. Yeah. Just, just like, here you yeah. go, this is, this this is, is, this, this this is for me. So now I'm terrified about this wine because I don't, because I'm going to taste it and I'm going to go, because I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. But then. You know, it's one of these. Am I going to then wake up the next morning and be blind? <laughs> I don't know how this this episode of the podcast has become so alcohol driven, but I know. Bad, well, it always it? has been in in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's Peter getting his um, different levels of qualifications or starting to become a landlord, there he is. He's holding his cicerone badge up for everyone to see um but i played a game with chris recently which in a strange sort of way simulates some of the effects of like having a few drinks um Mm. because it's called uh anomia and which is um a word which describes that position you find yourself in where you can't find the word that you're looking for which for me happens all of the um uh yeah very good very good sound <laughs> another very name good. for the game would be the tip of your tongue tip of your tongue yeah yeah um which seems to which seems to be one of definitely my sort of symptomatic um signs that i've probably had a bit too much um and this is actually kind of a, a, a strangely unassuming party style game it's kind of difficult to to put in the category because it's kind of like it's one of those party games that you play with your gran or your auntie or uncle or your family non-taken or uh, (laughs) um, because it just it's it has such a capacity for um, being one of those games which has a very like it manages to level the playing field quite quite well Right, as is, is I, is I think is is what I'm getting at. It's the words that I'm looking for, and it's a very very simple game. You have um, a big sort of pile of cards, and it's actually a game that you can actually play quite socially distanced, because each person could essentially have their own deck of cards with them that they're pulling from. So you can actually sit quite a bit of a distance, and everyone on their turn will just basically turn over a card and put it on put it in front of them and on that card will be um a symbol so some of the symbols are like wavy lines or like the dreamcast logo or say just like a couple of zigzags and chevrons and things like that and with that symbol there'll also be a um a word which will be a category of something so like it will say something like biscuit or ocean or astronaut or shop, something like that. And the enemy game is when you're flipping over a card, if your symbol matches 
a symbol on someone else's card, you then enter what's called, and what the game calls, a face-off. And those two players then are in a race to name something that meets the opponent's category in front of them. And if you're first, you're able to steal that card from them, and that's a point towards the end of the game. So say I pulled a card out that had biscuit on and a little squiggle, and Dan already had that little squiggle in front of him, and it had, I don't know, um, book on it. We'd then enter a face-off, and I'd have to name a book before Dan names a type of biscuit for me to win that face-off. And the game, when you describe it, kind of just sounds like, all right, yeah, well. that's That sounds extremely easy. Yeah, it does sound extremely easy, but it's the kind of game that <laughs> where you suddenly realise the tricks it's playing in order to make it an extremely good, like, group party game. Because what you're essentially doing is you spend all your time looking at the symbols... You don't care for what's written on it. You just spend all your time looking at the symbols, which means when you turn over a symbol and realise, all right, oh, 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 I'm matching with Richard. And then you look over to Richard's thing and it says something like um, film director. And then you're suddenly like, oh, um, up, um, oh, um, oh, um. Like and the best example for this, the best example is I was playing it with Chris and he turned over a card and my card said bridge. Right? So <laughs> me and Chris enter a face off. The first words out of Chris's mouth The River Kwai. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that was just the thing. That was just the thing that, um, that, that sums up what this game is doing that makes it such fun to play. Um, like, just those moments where the players are just put into this environment that. Um, where they're urgently trying to look for that word and find that thing that answers that part of the puzzle, whilst everyone on the sidelines is playing that wonderful game of like, oh, I know what I'd say. Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Which yeah. never helps. Is no. it like Family Fortunes then? Do you know where they do the five, six things at the yeah. end? And they say, name something you'd brush your teeth with. And you go, ah, yeah, hedgehog! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much like exactly it. And... There is nothing better than watching those YouTube videos of the best family fortunes answers. And this is kind of like the game that generates that situation over and over again. And yeah. in the last in the last podcast, we were talking about Stay Cool. And Chris mentioned something in it where he said, like, um, this is not verbatim, Chris, um, that, like, one of the things that you don't like in games, Chris, is, like, the fear of making mistakes and therefore you're not able to relax and enjoy. However, like in Anomia, those mistakes are like the core part of the game. Yeah, definitely. And, like everyone everyone falls into the trap. There is this is not a situation where one person will just be better at the game than another one. Like the game is so well designed in its simplicity that everyone makes those mistakes. Everyone eventually will get a card and just be like, up there, a ball, ah, Oh my, oh, uh, sand. But equally also, you may just not even notice that someone's played a card that matches your symbol and you think, yeah. oh gosh, yeah, sorry. And, <laughs> and I don't know if this has come across, but when you play your card, you're piling them up on top of each other. So there'll be long stretches where people will be playing symbols and there'll be no matches and everyone's building up a massive deck. And as soon as you go have a matching symbol with somebody there's a face off if you win you take their top card which might reveal a card underneath which now matches with somebody else's symbol so suddenly you can get this knock-on effect where everyone's kind of slightly on edge and sometimes you get the same people matching twice in a row just you know by the law of averages so it, even if you've won one round you may lose the next one straight away because you're too busy you know congratulating yourself for winning this one card <laughs> it's very funny I mean, there's nothing much more to say about it because it's it's exceptionally simple and smart. And um, again, my wife um, summed it up <laughs> in the best way that she could where she went, you know, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, hmm. Which Praise indeed. 
<laughs> well, well, it is kind of it is kind of it crazy, is. dude. Because it is. when you when you yeah. when you <laughs> when you explain the game to people, even when you bring it to the table, like especially like in my collection, which is full of like massive, massive games and even card games that look resplendent and look interesting. This is just a bunch of cards with like big bold black typeface in on and a silly little symbol. It looks like the kind of it looks like the kind of game that is is one of the very few bare bones selection that will be at the charity shop. Yes. It looks like the one of like we got that and we didn't like it so we gave it away. For Lisa to say that means I think is exceptionally high praise because it was like like she said after that like oh I really want to play that again. But from like from these like humble like this humble sort of packaging like we had a ton of fun with it and mm. you know if, if you're saying oh that's better than i thought it was going to be in this case is is exceptionally high praise if you like that type of game then another game that comes from coiled spring is twin it okay which isn't about words but it's all about symbols and it is kind of like you it's got the same idea that you're you're basically any card that you can see you can pair up and you've got to pair up a card but it's the same thing as you remove cards and twin them then anybody's deck anybody's face up deck is kind of like available and you get this mad dash of all of a sudden people are like you've got to put your hands down on where you find the twin and that card can be anywhere so you do get points where people are removing cards kind of left right and centre it can end up with huge chains and it's really it's really good fun. It's not word association or anything like that because there's only like the use only uses a bit of four or five color palette, and they're all they're all kind of tertiary colors. So it's your browns and your oranges and things like that. So you can have this moment where you're like, "Oh, it's that one." No, it's that one. And then all of a sudden, some from from out of nowhere, you'll notice like this pair that you didn't notice before, and it makes it's it's a really good good fun. The thing that lifts Anomia above other games like that for me is that we played Dobble in Vienna, right? Yeah. And I've never felt as dumb or as stupid as playing a game as I did playing Dobble because I thought, like, I just can't, I just can't do this. I can't see. Yeah. And I felt like because that's a game that, that's played in a group, I think that feeling of, like, feeling inferior to other people is accentuated, whereas Anomia is great because it's 1v1. The rules of engagement are a lot slimmer. So is twin it similar, or is it, or is it a bit more like double, where everyone's reaching at the same time for for everything? Um, no, everybody. It's not as because everybody's kind of starting at the same place. It's not. It's kind of like down to a bit more obs. It's kind of like it is down to your observation. But I played it really successfully with my with my son a couple of times. He absolutely kind of loved it, which is which is kind of good. I'm getting more into these kind of smaller kind of simpler two three player games as as time goes on because the bigger boys just and girls just aren't coming to the table at the moment as much you know <laughs> i've been catching some shows i've been trying to catch up on shows on netflix I, i've started watching during my um at the moment we are um um lisa and i are uh switching feeds in the evenings so during my night shifts um, I've been watching Better Call Saul as my night feeds treat because me and Chris, me and Chris, have spoke about this, and we, he gave me the great advice that apparently was my idea, but I don't remember ever coming up with this idea. Is that I start a series or I start or I listen to a book only when I'm doing feeds with my son so therefore yes. in a strange way i've got something to look forward to yep. yes um, yeah so i started watching better call saul and it works like because i'm on the night shift tonight and i'm actually looking forward to catching up with what that old what james mcgill's gonna get up to this time <laughs> um, <laughs> um so so i've actually been catching up on better call saul so is there is so once i've sort of consumed that what's what's next i kind of I don't know. I'm one of these people. I don't like to dive into stuff when it's there and release and everybody's talking about it because yeah. I think it takes a little bit of the shine off it. So I've, I'm like, I guess I'm like you, Sam. I'm kind of going back and checking out a bit of Better Call Saul, which I've heard 
as the seasons go on, it goes more towards Breaking Bad and has people are saying it's it's better in, in some ways than what Breaking Bad does. I've I've heard that, which is quite cool. I, I started the Umbrella Academy. Okay, yeah, that is also good. I, I think I've started that twice, and I both times my brain has just kind of gone like, I'll come back to it another time. Just it's not it's not holding me. I recommend the graphic novels. Yeah, see, for me, um, I, I'm always I'm always someone that, especially with uh, streaming platforms, where you've got such a banquet of content to enjoy. I'm very mm. much someone that I need to be in the right frame of mind to watch something. I mean, I'm a sucker for the whole thing of like, rather than watch something, I'll end up spending 40 minutes just scrolling through trying to find something to watch. Because <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I always just think, oh, I'd like to watch that, but I'm not quite in the right headspace for that. Um, and eventually I'll get around to them. So one thing I watched recently, um, which, which is something that I would ref- I would just call like your quintessential Sunday afternoon film, and I watched it on Sunday afternoon, um, was Enola Holmes. Um, so yes. it's uh, a film about, uh, it's filmed based on a number of books written by Nancy Springer. Um, they're kind of young adult books, but based on the character of Enola Holmes, who's the younger sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. What? Yeah. So, uh, as I said, these aren't these aren't stories written by Arthur Conan Doyle. These are stories written by written recently as kind of okay. inspired by kind of his stories. Um, and this is kind of a film of, of the start of that, starring um, Millie Bobby Brown, uh, who people may know from Stranger Things. So she plays Eleven yeah. Stranger Things. Um, so she plays the lead role in this. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's just it's your quintessential Sunday afternoon film. It's kind of very kind of no, um, there's no real edge to it. Which on a Sunday afternoon I don't want in it. I just want to be able to just have something wash over me, nice and friendly. It's obviously it's a young adult kind of book, so these aren't going to be kind of dangerous or kind of have any kind of majorly adult themes. It also has a, I in my opinion, miscast uh, Sherlock Holmes played by Henry Cavill. Who I liked Henry Cavill. I just I did I could not accept Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. I'm afraid. Oh, I really liked it. I thought he was sweet. Uh, no, not not for me. <laughs> um, I thought Millie Bobby Brown was fantastic. Um, she's an I think she's an incredible kind of screen presence. Um, yeah. And she just right from the start. There's a lot of breaking of the fourth wall with her character. She talks to the audience a lot. It's Fleabag for kids. There we go. Yeah. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, as I say, it's not pulling up any trees. It's not gonna. It's not changing. Pulling the way up I think any of... trees. What was that? Oh, that's <laughs> a fantastic expression. <laughs> Is that the same as killing birds with two stones? No, pulling you pulling up trees. That's a saying. Pulling up trees. Is it? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> no, it's... I, I mean, I'm I'm willing to believe, but <laughs> <laughs> pulling up trees. Like, I'm I mean, googling it right now. That's though. amazing. I, I personally I looked I looked at it and I was kind of like okay I can do it but is it suitable my, is it going to be suitable for my youngest who's seven yeah yeah oh definitely yes interestingly enough the last kind of Sherlock Holmes that I watched was the one where they went and saw his younger sister in the offshore kind of establishment the one with Benedict Cumberbatch so they've actually so I'm just thinking. I've got this thing in my mind of the, of this Enola woman being absolutely completely dangerous and just going about killing everybody, for, <laughs> you know, which has made me wonder: is it that kind of yeah? Is it that kind of thing? Not quite. She's handy. Pete, I want to have it on record that I think when you were you and I were drunk doing that rum evening that we'd agreed to do a course together. We didn't. Specify what the course would wow. be. Chris, I've been looking them up. Have today. you? So yeah. I made some <laughs> yeah. kind of, I've made some kind of Faustian pact. Yeah. Is yeah. it piercing? I don't know. Well, it has to be online, Richard. Well, so I've been I've been looking at courses. I've been looking at courses, Chris, and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff we can do. There's stuff that's like readily doable. Oh, Chris, you crack that door open and kick P just yeah. kicked it down. I want something that I can put on my CV and when you know, a potential employer scrolls down it. That's the moment where their eyes just stop. Right. And they just reread. It's like, the, you know, that, that point that stands out. Tattooist. Right. Well, first of all, there's one, there's a simple one that I yeah. thought, perfect. This would be a really nice, easy one that you and I could do, which is seven hours of study. 
it's a it's a proper professional qualification. We become experts at sake. Oh, I see. Yeah, I've never I've I've drunk maybe two or three glasses of sake in my life. Right, so we could we could okay. do that. Okay, I'm okay. I'm judging this. Okay, your reaction is not a positive one for that one. It's not a positive <laughs> one so far. I'm I'm reading that. I'm reading that, Dan. I got I got confused and thought you were talking about the 1980s singer for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other thing we could do is yeah. we could, um, if you want, we could do an online course about, um, uh, like we could do a St. John's first aid. Online? Online. Okay. Apparently. So a bit like Dan's analogy of the Taekwondo, if I've got to do CPR on my laptop. Yeah, it's on yourself. <laughs> yeah. The Heimlich maneuver on myself, and then the final one is we could, over a series of evenings, um, become a level one sugarcraft master. Oh, I'd love to do. I'd do that. Right, you. I would do that because I'm wow. I'm building up my cakes. You've literally pulled from like three very distant directions for this. So I'm still looking, Chris. I'm looking for our perfect. Okay, I, I should probably look as well. But yeah, like. Yeah, something online, that'd be quite nice. Something online, we'll do yeah. it. It's going to be great. Something with a graduation ceremony where I could, you, can add, you can add another name. Uh, to another your... name. Six names to my long list. It's, it's, nice, to have, it's nice to have you with us um, this evening, Richard, um, as you, really, because the last sort of... How long have we been doing it now? It's about eight... Two, week, two week, months or so? Two months. Two, two months. months. Yeah. Two months. Um, obviously everyone during this time have been doing things like a weekly pub quiz or a uh, a Zoom magic show or (laughs) you know a party with a princess or whatever but for our slice of like normality has come from Peter Willington very gladly and kindly agreeing to GM an RPG for yes. us all, so yes. there, there is quite there is quite the revolving um, cast of characters. Myself, Chris, Dan, Richard, and a couple and a couple of others are involved in this ongoing serialized adventure, mm. um, which will soon be a Netflix series. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I'm sure>. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've been playing. We have been playing the amazing. Genuinely amazing. The amazingly named. The amazingly named basic fantasy <laughs> role playing game. And and honestly, like so so I wanna I wanna caveat this with like I uh I'm gonna I'm gonna be mean about this bit, but I love the game and uh mm-hmm. loads and being a big a being a tiny part of a big community, I now know that apparently there's also a, quite a few other people who don't like the name either. Because basic fantasy role playing game actually put me off to begin with by its name sure. um the uh because i was because like it immediately just says to you like as somebody ah now as somebody who doesn't really play role-playing games or hasn't really played role-playing games all that much um but has been very very interested in reading a lot about them and all that sort of stuff trying to find out the one that i really really like certainly having not played dungeons and dragons um much i think i might have played 5e once um, I didn't know that it actually meant something. So basic is actually it, it is a much more it, it need it it tries to get across this like ev- evocative sense of like it is straightforward. I think the best way to kind of describe yeah um, basic fantasy role playing game is just to check it out because it's free. Yeah. So you can you can just go online. It's completely um, should I say open source or like unlicensed? It's no, it's part of something called the I think it's called the open game license. Which, okay, sure. Which means yeah. that there are restrictions with what you can do with it. Um, but yeah, go and get it because yeah, as as Sam says, like it's, it is totally free. Um, it's also uh, printable um, from that source, but it's also you can buy it from a couple of other different actual physical retailers. One of them being Amazon, one of them being Lulu, um, and uh, it's printed at cost. So, like, the game is, if you want a physical copy of it, it's like £4, which is unbelievable, considering, you know, a copy of, like, as I say, fifth will cost you, like, 30, 40 quid. 
Yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's incredible. And you always have to you have to end up buying like three different books in order to get the full package and everything. If you want to run the game, yeah, you'd need to buy like you know nearly a hundred pounds worth of books. Whereas with Basic Fantasy, that single book is basically all you need and then you need either a story if you want if you don't want to come up with something yourself or you go and buy one of the other books and the other books are also printed at cost so a, a whole set of stories that will last you 20 30 hours worth of games is going to cost you four quid um you'll also need some dice but you know so if you've played rpgs before this is based on earlier versions of D&D where the game is stripped, not stripped back because it hadn't been built up, but like it is stripped back from what modern RPGs, right? It isn't interested in things, and this is going to sound bonkers, it isn't interested in things like balance necessarily. Um, So like an encounter that you have in a dungeon, so this is a fantasy game, obviously from from basic fantasy. Um, It's a fantasy-based game generally, Um, and so you'll be in dungeons and you'll be exploring overworld maps um uh as part of like maybe a hex crawl or something like that so you'll be going across the land and finding cool things um but when you're in the dungeons or when you're out on in out in those lands uh you might be like a level one um magic user like sam is uh, and it's very possible for you to just rock up as into a part of a dungeon where there is a monster where they will kill you in one hit and the game is perfectly fine and confident in itself that that is okay now as somebody who was raised on video games and more modern games that lack of balance sounds that sounds terrible like that honestly sounds antithetical to a really good gameplay experience uh and and i think this is evidenced by the first thing that we ran so um <laughs> yes. so this was amazing an amazing moment and this kind of tells this kind of tells you everything you really need to know about these kinds of games. So we were all very very excited and I was very excited and I got everything ready and and there are there's hours and hours and hours of prep involved um if you've not really played RPGs before. Um and so I'd come up with this this fun thing we were going to this was the adventure that we were going to do and I was very very excited and then my pals you guys being you guys yeah decided to not take the the game world seriously and so the first thing you did is you walked down some stairs and you booted a door down uh, and then you walked into a place and it turns out uh, and then you got absolutely murked by a load of goblins who were waiting for you with sharpened knives and and you were dead and this was like half an hour of play right so like and it and it is just dead. And that is not like, oh, but maybe we visit the spirit stone and then they come back. No, like you are dead. Like roll a new character. And like it basically it was a party wipe and, and 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 like the, the adventure was over. And it was it was like, oh wow. And everybody I felt like kind of the energy in the in the, the virtual room be like, oh, oh, okay. That that feels unfair. <laughs> but you were you were loving every minute I of it. I loved it. You, yeah. You were just like you want to do what? All right, then. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So basically what we did at the end of this first session that went dreadfully, uh, first part of the session that went dreadfully, um, it actually, I think we kind of all learned a really amazing lesson from, from this one bit. And so basically Sam's character um, woke up and realised that they'd been in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great it was a great bit of improvisation from yourself I have to say the sands of time and and as a GM I was like this is great because this gives me the mechanical reason it's like I'll allow it because obviously like so the 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 kind of the big rule is basically like the GM's decision is final like the GM can basically just bend rules forget rules do like make go like yeah that sounds great or no we're not going down that route like it really does put a lot of power into the 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 the, the person who's running the game's hands but sam's idea was fantastic it was like oh I, I wake up and then um and then everybody was alive and then it was the same literally the same first corridor where they'd fallen and and then suddenly it all slowed down and it felt like as a gm i was like oh my god this is genius like this this game is this game is genius. Like it is, it 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 was so. You you are playing as and Dan, you you kind of coined the term eventually, like accidentally, like which I absolutely loved. Like you really feel like you are role playing as adventurers. Like you you always like like 
you always feel like as a GM certainly like the 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 game is set up to reward people who are smart and outthink the enemy pick up on information that's around the environment and in the dungeon um uh and use all of those elements to their advantage rather than just getting a one-on-one fistfight which like you ultimately you know eventually you're going to come come up against you know potentially come up against things like dragons and werewolves and all this sort of stuff and like they'll just kill you in a couple of hits like but it's and and by the time you've got there hopefully as a as a party you'll have you'll have realized that oh okay this is how i need to approach dungeons i need to be thoughtful about and all that kind of stuff i i find it a really interesting game to play because i think quite from um my myself in terms of my exposure to rpgs and stuff um most of it has been through like highly edited dramatized um edited both um audibly and also mechanically um versions of um uh, rpg games which is absolutely fine um and so that was like kind of my how we've always approached it in the past for for two reasons first of all because as previously mentioned we all did theater so for us it's all about like what is my character doing and i'm inhabiting this character and they are this this person within the space so let's like flex those muscles and also the second reason that we would we would highly like edit things is that we would tend to do all these do like a one shot in an afternoon this wouldn't be the time so this is like the first time that us as a group have really gone like right this is going to stretch over however many weeks so two months so far like making it a regular thing and for me it's been a completely uh sort of enlightening experience because it's the first time i've sort of learned about how the actual mechanics of the game inform the character that i am rather than me trying to force my character and like walking into a dungeon going like well i'm john jiminy and i've like had a terrible past and i only cut grass when the sun goes down because oh that's the kind of guy i am um whereas this it's kind of like pete you're very clever to say you know your character should be able to be summed up in a sentence and because the game is set up in a way where you're always trying to outthink the dungeon there's no time to be witty or to be characterful you just look at your stats and go right which of these stats will help us out at this point right i'm very good at intelligence or wisdom so therefore i'll use that and without knowing it suddenly i was like using that to inform my character so if i if my stats are saying that my character is good at this then how do I, through roleplay, communicate that to the group? And then suddenly that starts to like build my character and tell me what kind of character that I've essentially rolled. How, how have you found it, Richard? You, do you play a lot? Because obviously, with We're Not Wizards, like you've played a pos- probably every board game ever made. Do yes. You play, do, you, do you play? Do you play <laughs> that is correct. Um, do you play a lot of RPGs? Um. I, I, it's one of the, it's one of these strange things. I think everybody has like a faltered installed RPG that you everybody goes in with the best of intentions, and you sit about three sessions, and then you get that you know the most famous meme that's out there, which is you know the Lord of the Rings one where he says you can have my sword, you can have my axe, and then you've got Gimli going, you know I can't do Thursdays, and um, <laughs> you know, and so I had the stalled one. So when it came along, I was kind of like, well. Do I want to? Because there is there's the commitment kind of thing. Sure. And I think with any kind of role playing game, there's always the danger that it's it's a case of can I commit enough to this so I'm not letting people down, mm. and I'm not in I'm not kind of um, impeding kind of any good experience that they have because we've all been there with you know if you're unreliable for whatever reason, then it's the GM. It can be the point where the GM has to turn around and say, well, I've got to do other things in order to kind of keep things going. But my experience so far has been extremely positive to the point where even though we're saying it's the most basic kind of role-playing game, even now we can see the different characters of themselves. You've seen it kind of them form over the last kind of two months yeah. where people weren't sure where they're going and then all of a sudden you've seen kind of snap and everybody kind of knows 
what they're going to be doing in any kind of given situation. And that kind of thing is you start off with like the sandbox kind of rules and there seems to be a full story developing Mm. around it. And we're not even kind of taking in a particular direction. It just seems to be kind of forming around it. And says lovely, beautiful, wonderful moments, which just organically kind of crop up, which haven't been scripted or planned and they just seem to be appearing and the gloriousness of everybody being willing to roll with what's mm. happening in the story and nobody kind of stopping and going, well, actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. And people just kind of rolling in. Yeah, I think kind of touching on kind of what Peter had been saying, we've, we've played over the past few years, we've kind of, Chris and Pete and myself, we've, we've played some various different role-playing games, whether that's, um, Dread, or as you say, Cogs, Cakes, and Swordsticks, or the Batman RPG, or Ten Candles, or just ones that we've kind of created ourselves. Um, and I think of all of them, this is the one I've enjoyed the most. And I think part of that reason is kind of, as Sam said, kind of the character decision you said to us, it was like, come with your character, but just give me a one line. So that narrows down pretty much what you can think about your character to a very small amount. And I'm not sure if that was a decision you made, Pete, or was that something from the book? But what I found was that I'd, I'd come up with a basic idea. However, that basic idea doesn't really relate to the character who I play now because that character I play now has been created through this. I mean, the, the characters basically come from the voice I cho- chose to do and everything else has spanned away out from that. Yeah, you made your bed, didn't you? I, I did, I made my bed <laughs> and I'm happy to lie in it. Um, but yeah, so and that's the thing. So what I've really enjoyed is that I've never been able to create a character um, in such a way. Because every time I've done it before, if I've had to create a character, I've felt constrained then by that character because mm. I've made so many decisions. I'm this kind of person. I do this in this situation. I did this in this situation. Whereas creating my character now, because it's very fluid and it kind of, I'm, I am making it up as I go along. And yes, the more I play, the more kind of in my mind the character is filled out. But it's such a much more organic scenario in the same way that the story for you is being organically created as we make crazy decisions and turn left turns so i'm just i'm really enjoying this kind of longer form element and being able to organically create something and i've got to hand it to you pete like i think not only are you doing a wonderful job as a gm as dan is alluding to there but also i think you've picked the best possible night to run an rpg and i mean this seriously it's not a Friday night. It's not a Saturday night. It's a Monday night. So after the weekend, you've gone back to your first day of work. It's all right. You can get through this first day because in the evening you've got the RPG. And and it's just really lovely. And it's genuinely something, particularly during the current climate, I actively look forward to. And as Dan says there, it's the idea that actually the character doesn't really belong to me. My character is much defined by the other people around me. I made one mistake in one game and I think it makes the characters very aware of me where one of our number was paralysed and I thought it'd be good to climb on top of them to escape out of a pit, but I ended up falling and severely injuring both of us. So now (laughs) that comical thing that, you know, usually we do in a one-off because, you know, it's just a one-off, that now is a trait of my character and those little things as well. How we've also infantilised Dan's character, how Richard's character has this bag of goblin teeth that he carries around with him. It's so threatening. I love it. It's like where we are because of this, I guess the kind of the, um, the kind of the social species kind of situation where we find I've ended up getting thrust into situations where I have to kind of pretend to kind of be the leader (laughs) or the main (laughs) spokesman. One point in the adventure, I was like, I had a choice of speaking to two different people and I spoke to the wrong people and I ended (laughs) up very drunk, losing lots of constitution and generally being useless for like two days afterwards or something like that. And there the podcast goes full circle. Yeah. I, said, I was gonna say that I signed up I was gonna sign up for an online course. <laughs> Brilliant. That was staying in with Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, Chris Darby, me, Sam Turner, and our special guest richard simpson now usually as you will know this is where we ask you to share the podcasts with your friends and family but this time please take that same energy that same enthusiasm 
and go out and see more of what Richard is up to with his own media empire. His words, not mine. And simply search for We're Not Wizards. We are not wizards. We're not wizards. And you'll soon find his exemplary blog, uh, his uh, podcast, on which we've all had the pleasure of appearing, except Dan, which is awkward. And you should also find his YouTube channel, which is the only place you'll find a Scottish man reviewing games in a Geordie accent, um, which has to be seen to be believed. Um, so a search for We're Not Wizards. Uh, we love Richard. He's a fantastic uh, gentleman and we love having him on the show. Uh, so please search for We're Not Wizards online. Finally, from me, you might be aware that once again, some of us on the podcast are heading into another lockdown situation. So please join us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and join in our conversations and posts on there. Uh, it really means a lot to us. And whilst we may not be able to play games together or enjoy each other's company uh, once again, we can at least come together online and support each other. So just search for Staying In Pod. But that's it from us for now. We'll see you on the 1st of November for the next episode. But for now, bye bye <laughs>